Hi everyone and welcome to the PBM podcast. I'm super overjoyed to be here today with the wonderful Rachel Amma. She's a recipe developer, a YouTuber and a home cook and a real joyful and wonderful person to be around. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you for having me and thank you for such a nice intro. I loved it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So I've been watching you for a while on YouTube and love your kind of joyful and kind of elated approach to everything. It's all like quite... Um, it's, I just love the way you kind of mix in your humor and music to what you're doing. So it's a real joy. But before we go into that and talk about your channel and all the stuff that you do, um, let's talk about veganism and plant-based living. How did this happen? How did this world, how did your world, how did you collide with that world? <laughs> I never, I don't know how far to go back, but I've been lactose free. So I've been, I cut out dairy about 10 years ago because I struggled with a bunch of digestive problems that doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong and I was really, really ill. And my mum studied nutrition and she was into a lot of holistic healthcare. And she said, you know what, Rachel, I think you're lactose intolerant. So I was in so much pain, I would do anything at that moment to figure out what the problem was. So I cut out dairy and my health just really started to change. And then a couple years later, I was talking to someone about veganism and we talked about how it sounds nice, but I don't really understand it, I don't get it. And um, they were like, oh, I watched this documentary on Netflix. It was interesting, you should go watch it. So the next day I went on a documentary spiral into animal farming and I was so heartbroken. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing and how I'd grown up with pets. I've always had pets, but I never made the association. And watching that, it was just so instant for me that I just wanted nothing to do with it. I did, the thought of eating meat or fish just ter it was not for me. So the next day I went vegan. And that Which was, films was that, were that? It was Cowspiracy, and thoughts over eyes, and I was like, "Oh, this is what really happens! Wow, let me change." Isn't it incredible how, like, an idea that seems so obvious can alter the course of your life? I I'm so glad someone just said to me, "Watch that," because it literally changed so much for me. But but going vegan wasn't actually it wasn't hard for me. It was because I'd already had all the superfoods in my house it wasn't that hard to suddenly be like there's no meat and there's no fish so for me it was one of the easiest and most natural transitions that i've made in my life so obviously you grew up around health and nutrition you mentioned earlier your mum was involved in it so that must have been quite um an easy transition for you then in the sense of like you had the support around you yeah how to, how to explain how that was growing up and having access to that kind of knowledge well, my mum actually said she wanted me and my brother to be more vegetarian and not necessarily vegan, but eat more plants. But she was looked down upon by doctors and schooling to kind of do that. So she didn't do it because the idea was that was bad. That was unhealthy way to bring up your kids. But if it came to fizzy drinks and processed foods, they were banned from the house. They were not allowed at all. I have many stories where my like mom- amazing mom. <laughs> yeah, she's like, if there was a bottle of Coke in this house, my mom would lose the plot. <laughs> so I've, it was always a conscious of what you eat, but I did love KFC, don't get me wrong. I still would love my trips to KFC. But, um, but yeah, so then going vegan, it was easy to, continue to eat my chia seeds and be mindful of I'm getting amigas in that and approaching veganism in a way that I knew there were certain nutrients that 
I was maybe getting more of in condensed meat forms that I need to be wary of to get in my plant-based eating and not to just think I'll just eat anything but just be a bit mindful so I do actually look after my body fuel my body and get the kind of most optimum health that I can get so growing up in in a western country we're kind of heavily surrounded by junk food um, it's always on the TV billboards everywhere we're always having it pushed on us um, do you want to talk a bit about like how that was at school and did you have lunch school dinners and things like that yeah school dinners I think typically in the UK when I was at school you have pizza and apple crumble and custard and I remember when they brought in this thing called pasta king and they just load you up on carbs and add some cheese to it and if I look back at that it's pretty terrifying to think about what I was feeding myself to then go and sit in a classroom and learn and all the sugar I was eating and, and the chips and the KFC but I was a little bit of a, a bougie fast food eater because of my mum um, it didn't work completely I was still tempted but I wouldn't do you know you in London you go down the street and there might be like four chicken shops on the high street and I wouldn't eat any of them the only one I would eat was KFC just because I don't know all that adverts made the association that KFC was a friendly way yeah Yeah, yeah, (laughs) to eat meat but it was definitely hard as a, a teenager to not just go into the fast food joints and get food because that was what was around it wasn't places where you could get lots of fresh vegetables and food and that wasn't really looked at it's changed now and it is continuing continuing to change but when I was at school it definitely wasn't but it's interesting because now a lot of the vegan options are fast food Mm. does that concern you that you know um, our movement is moving forward really really quickly but you know once upon a time there was no junk food at all and now everyone's jumping on board with that because as someone who cooks and you know shares this way of eating with the world does that concern you at all it it's just i find it just a little bit disappointing i love the creativity and the innovation that these chefs are bringing and sharing and it is encouraging people who do like fast food to try the vegan fast food options but i would love to see a lot less like just more foods that aren't deep fried and not necessarily all made from seitan like can we focus a little bit more on vegetables and how we can make those really delicious and those be the restaurants that I can go to. Hashtag shots fired. No, I love them. (laughs) It is true, I do understand. I think, you know, what people um, are trying to do is essentially mimic the taste and flavour of meat because what they want to do is bring in the plant-based diet to to the vegan world, basically, so that it the two worlds come together because I think a lot of people when they first um, go vegan they just want to reach for those types of foods because they're familiar aren't they Um, and I think that's ultimately what these chefs are doing but I do agree I think there needs to be a focus on a more of a focus on whole foods specifically if we want to have happy healthy vegans um, because we don't really want to have a world of people who are living on junk food because that we've been living that world and it's caused a lot of illness because yeah. vegans can also be unhealthy. Yeah. Vegan doesn't mean healthy. No, yeah. I think that's important. And I, I think it's just about balance, isn't it? Like if you want to have that really nostalgic mimic chicken burger that doesn't involve harming chickens, it's good to have that option. But at the same time, let's have a bit more balance where we can get some wholesome whole food that tastes amazing Mm -hmm. and is nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm into that. Um, so let's talk about animals and veganism. So veganism obviously is defined as a philosophy that suggests we don't need to harm and exploit animals for their skin, for their fur, for their eggs, their milk, their flesh. Um, why do you think that we should speak for animals or sort of speak out in the, in the name of these creatures who are very different to us? They look different, they don't speak our languages, but why should we care so much about animals? I think that it is like even the association, the disassociation, disassociation I made between my pets and, and the meat I was eating, um, they're all animals. I, you, I look at my dog every day and it's not just my dog, there's a soul in there, there's, there's a character, there's a personality, there's a life in there and it's happy, my dog is happy, my dog is joyful and that's the same with all the animals and to think of what we became so accustomed to doing and allowing to happen to these animals and a lot of us had no idea because you look at meat in the supermarkets and there's a happy cow on the package you don't see what's really going right. on mm -hmm. and i think with all these documentaries and all these activists and this movement growing so rapidly and so quick we're able to open our eyes up more to see what's really going on and i think anyone that would see that and see what happens to these animals would feel kind of touched by it and feel like oh my like how is this happening how did i not know this is happening these are animals they don't deserve this this is completely unfair and i think it's only in the last 50 years where the meat consumption just drastically just went crazy and it just was so normal for us but these animals they they're these beautiful creations and they do not we do not need to eat them. We do not need to put this horrible life onto them so that we can eat them at all to survive. This is just, ah, I don't know how to describe it. It's, yeah, it's I mean, so I, hard to see is, that happen, right? It is, and, and that's the incredible thing about emerging into this world of veganism because you start to see what was always there, but your, you know, your realization, your awakening is, mm. is this powerful realization that shifts the course of your life because you start to see things as they truly are. Um, we talk about the humane myth or the humane hoax. So you walk in the supermarket and everything is like happy meat yeah. or humanely slaughtered or happy eggs. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that kind of stuff? Um, to me, I just kind of keep it, it is what it is. That's still an animal, that's still an animal that's been caged, that's still an animal that's been killed, so that someone can eat that animal, and that is something I don't believe in. And it's maybe 200 years ago, in certain countries, there was a little less horrible farming to these animals but if you are realistically looking at animal farming in 2018 it is not a fun happy environment for animals end of <laughs> yeah and ultimately at the end whether it's a an organic farm or whether it's a biodynamic farm or whether it's a factory farm the animal dies at the end they yeah. get a bolt cut in their head their throat slit um, their life is ended mostly prematurely as well. Yeah. A lot of the animals that we consume when we eat them, they're still babies. It's awful. Humans are, you know, I was walking down the road the other day thinking about like who we are and what we are. And I was wondering, wondering to myself and pondering to myself, you know, my partner loves zombie films. And, <laughs> and I was thinking humans are actually 
like zombies. We eat yeah. dead yeah. flesh. Yeah. We eat the dead flesh of other living beings, dead rotting flesh, because it does. As soon as an animal dies, the flesh starts to rot, doesn't it? Um, and that's quite a weird thing to think about your species, to kind of like ponder who you are as a creature and think, yeah. wow, like people like me go out and kill other beings that are like us and consume them and consume their bodies. It's kind of macabre and sinister. Well, it is, and it's not something that you learn in school. I didn't know yeah. that in my science lessons and stuff. I didn't see it that way. I didn't grow up on yeah. a farm where I could see animals in a different way. It was just like, that's your food source. Mm -hmm. On the advertisements or the charts, you had your dairy, you had your fish, you had your meat, and that's how you eat and sustain as a human, and that's what is healthy. Yeah. So it's just a shame that we were just so conditioned to that, but it's so good now that people have shared so much and so much more is available to learn. And you can really just open your eyes to it and. I just it's just an immediate like wow that is not what I was learning at school it is yeah it's one it's incredible and there's always so much more to learn all the time yeah it can be overwhelming so I'm um, changing track a bit and talking about like your passions and what you do as a person with your with your life now you're a youtuber and you have a YouTube channel oh, where yeah. you um, share your love of food vegan food with the world <laughs> tell us a bit about your channel and what kind of stuff we can find on there yeah so lots and lots of recipes that tie into my kind of cultural background so I've got a mix of my African and Caribbean and growing up in London and having such a variety of different cultures and foods and spice mixes which I'm like I just want to create food that tastes amazing and is not harming animals and I just want to welcome people who are vegan have been vegan for years and people that are thinking about it or just want to know what kind of foods you can eat I want you to be able to find them on my channel and to enjoy them and you know when I went vegan four years ago um, none of my friends and my family were vegan so that I wasn't I didn't look like the stereotypical vegan and I just wanted to kind of show people that you don't have to look like the stereotypical vegan to be vegan. You can, but you don't have to. You, anyone can be vegan. Don't feel like it's this like persona that you're not familiar with or you don't understand. Anyone can try it and anyone can enjoy the food. And there's still so much to learn. And the food is still so good. <laughs> and I just really want to share that on the channel and encourage more people to think about having those plant-based meals in their diet. Because no one's missing out, that's the thing. Like. I think a lot of people's fear when they when they adopt this lifestyle is that they're going to have to change everything. You mentioned a few different cultures in there that year that from your from your heritage, they're rich and diverse, and and in fact probably like eighty percent of what's on a plate from those parts of the world will be plants, yeah. uh, even maybe even more. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to talk about a little bit about each cultural kind of like um, uh, influence that you have, and then the kinds of foods that that um, are there? The what West your, Indian is West most, Indian. most okay. um, hmm. yeah, it's interesting. And describe West. a dish then. So what, like a West Indian dish, what would be, what would be on it? A veganized version, obviously. A veganized, I mean, there's really typical ingredients, whether you're drawing from your, your jerk experience, whether you're making jerk or not. So the all spices. What's jerk? And, yeah, explain to those so who the, don't know. The jerk, mar jerk is not jerk chicken. Uh -huh. Jerk is a marinade that you can make, which you can add to any vegetable to get that really authentic jerk grilled vegetable. Why is it called jerk, do you know? 
I don't actually know so why it's just, called jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in a jerk sauce? What, so in a jerk sauce, you will find scallions, your green onions, and you'll find allspice and thyme. You'll sometimes find the fresh parsley on the coriander. There'll always be some ginger in there and you cannot have it without some scotch bonnet. Wow. That's, <laughs> maybe that's why it's called jerk because when you eat it, you jerk. Yeah, <laughs> the scotch bonnet, it's got, it's got a kick. It's an yeah. addictive kick, I yeah, have yeah. to say. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It sounds delicious. I love hot food. So, and I do love like any kind of jerk food. It's, yeah. um, yeah. But even with the Caribbean influence, it's always funny because you have a whole Rastafarian movement that's been going on for years. But there's still this kind of disassociation between being Caribbean and eating meat all the time and not when actually if you go to the Caribbean, if you go to Jamaica, you see Rastafarians who live off the land who choose not to eat meat. So it's not so distant then. Yeah, right. Because it's ITEL, isn't it? Which yeah. ITEL, um, ITEL is vital. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ITEL food came, uh, you know, 30, 40 years before Donald Watson came up with the word vegan. Yeah. Um, and ITEL eating. Um, I know that some people that eat ITEL do sometimes have cheese and milk sometimes, but generally they don't eat meat for spiritual and health, health reasons. Has there been any influence of that in your life at all, the ITEL kind of culture? I think what i find really interesting is i feel like right now we're really shifting to a really more conscious time where everyone is really thinking about what they're consuming and what they're investing in and i just feel like it really truly does reflect a lot of rastafarian beliefs that they've been preaching all this time so i think they go hand in hand and it's just so interesting to see how it's happening naturally i guess yeah. they were ahead <laughs> oh, definitely definitely um and I think the world is changing so rapidly as well, like you were saying, and I think a lot of people are struggling to keep up with it. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about veganism is that it's not attached to a spiritual belief, whereas obviously ITEL and Rastafarianism is a, a spiritual uh, foundation. And so for, for it's not necessarily as accessible to everyone because not everyone right. wants to be connected to a spiritual belief. Um, and the idea with veganism is that it should be multicultural um, and it should reach all people. So obviously on that point, veganism um, in the West is quite like, some people say that it's quite a white thing. Like, would yeah. you agree with that? Like, as in like culturally, you know, when you look at these, you go to these events, it's like, and you see all the people representing the vegan movement, it's a, there's a bit of a, a cultural, a lack of diversity. Yeah, but we are in the West. And that is the populations and that is the representation that you see. But I don't think yeah. it's a true representation of the world. Yeah. I don't think it represents communities around the world that are living naturally more plant based. Yes. Yeah, it's just where we are and yeah. what we see in the media. Yeah. And what can we do, do you think, like to uh, to kind of make sure that the movement, our movement, the vegan movement is more diverse? Um, I it's, think yeah it's very I was, it's very easy for for certain characters you know like white men <laughs> to dominate the conversation because that's how things have always been in in society as far back not just veganism with everything yeah. um what do you think about that <laughs> i just think that whatever we do to evolve as humans we should look at our history and we should look at where things have stemmed from so i think we should look at these communities and these cultures that have explored plant-based eating and do 
have plant-based diets and really pay homage to them and understand them and see how they're thriving mm -hmm. and just pay attention to the diversity of food and veganism around the world and not too much I don't know how to describe but what you described <laughs> yeah like the western kind of um bias yeah because i think you know racial bias gender bias you know, food bias like every people have a bias based on what is the dominant message or, or what appears to be around them and i think sometimes people always gravitate towards what is a dominant uh image and yeah. so, um there's also the issue of gender as well the vegan movement is some 87 percent women right? yeah. uh, mostly women are adopting this lifestyle yet the men are the ones that seem to be um you know i wouldn't say kind of standing at the front but most of the time they are like why do you think that is i think that's how things have gone for a long time mm -hmm. and i think things are starting to change and hopefully we will see more women at the top of vegan movements yeah i mean obviously as a, as a young woman growing up in the west like how has it been you know um in this kind of world in a, in a world which is kind of run by men and kind of dominated by men have you had instances in your life where you've kind of felt as a woman you haven't been able to like step up and push through because men have dominated the conversation like actually physically or at work or anything like that oh <laughs> i was gonna say no and you said at work um because men do have that tendency don't they like they do but i we. think <laughs> <laughs> i think i grew up with such a strong independent mum that no matter what was happening and what had happened in the past if there's something i believe in if there's something i think i'm great at or i can share i'm not going to dim my light because i'm scared that men are the only people that are going to be listened to i'm going to continue to to share my passions and do what i believe in and yeah. hopefully it will work your mum sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to give her a big hug after yeah. this <laughs> Um, that's so. That's such a, such a beautiful thing, and I think this is what young people need: is they need these role models. And no matter who you are, no matter your gender or your ethnicity, we need people in our lives who can um, direct us through the uh, the complexities of this world. You know, in the Western world, we our cultures are very disparate and very disconnected, um, especially as kind of young um, Caucasian people, especially in the West, there isn't the culture, there is no culture. The culture has kind of disappeared. It's kind of like, you know, it's faded into the background. And for a lot of young white people, like they are trying to, to attach themselves to lots of different cultures, especially in London, where they feel they have no identity because there's no food culture, there's no um, heritage behind them. You know what I mean? And I think it causes a lot of like frustration and problems for young people but um, diversity is so vital I think yeah. and I think that if we want our movement to succeed we have to make sure that everyone is sitting at the table together um, and having a meaningful and uh, compassionate dialogue <laughs> we, we're all constantly learning yeah. from each other yeah. we're not gonna learn more if the same people are sitting at the table it needs to be diverse people yeah. from all walks of life with yeah. different experiences and different tastes and different palettes of food that's how we learn that's how we grow 
So changing track again, like let's go back to like food and everything you're doing. So your channel is growing rapidly. Uh, your videos are amazing. Like I love all your kind of, as I was saying, your humor that you inject <laughs> into it. It brings that unique quality um, and makes it really, really watchable. Um, you recently got an agent and you're yeah. going to be doing stuff outside of YouTube. Do you want to yeah. talk a bit about that? Yeah, um, I really just want to continue to share the message of veganism and as that's what I'm passionate about so I did the BBC food program where we looked at veganism we looked at it from Rastafarianism and we looked at it in Asia and it was really like it was just so it was such a good program to be a part of because we really got some depth into where veganism has existed before um, and I hope to do more things like that and yeah, we're working towards lots of cool projects that I can't really talk <laughs> about. But I really Sounds hope um, we'll just help to change the dialogue about veganism mm -hmm. and just bring it to bigger media mm. platforms. Do you think the vegan movement has an identity crisis, though? Do you think it needs to shuffle itself up a bit? Because like, there are lots of barriers to entry for people like what do you think the biggest things are that people struggle with when when joining our kind of you know joining what we're doing I think you know everyone's different I think maybe some people might feel like it's a restriction of food as opposed to I'm choosing not to eat animals because of I've seen what's happened and I don't want to eat animals mm -hmm. um, I think maybe that might be some people struggle and they might feel like if they claim the vegan name and they mess up or buy something then they're going to be chucked out of the vegan group or something like that maybe those are but i mean with my channel i really just try to welcome people like just come join in have fun try the food don't feel i don't know like it's a big scary group <laughs> yeah it can be quite threatening to i think a lot of people when they um, there is a kind of puritanical um, perfectionism that's expected of you sometimes. Yeah. You will be 100% compliant, and if you're not, the vegan police will descend on your house, <laughs> yeah. smash down their door, remove you, yeah. cuff you, and imprison you until you return to your 100% veganism. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's scary for a lot of it people is. they worry that if they're not going to be perfect all the time and you know and a lot of vegans say oh but you know this 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 bull this journey bullshit like animals are dying and suffering and that's true you know animals are suffering and dying and sometimes people um succumb to their um their desires their, their desires for these products these animal the animal flesh or, or, or milk or cheese some 84% of people who try to go vegan or vegetarian actually return to eating meat I didn't know it's that. a huge number and the reason the, one of the biggest reasons most people cite is friends and family Wow that they return to eating meat because of pressure from friends and family I do get a lot of people messaging me about that actually yeah. how do I convince my parents to yeah. have more plant-based yeah. foods and yeah. how do I tell my friends and I'm just like you know why you made that decision mm -hmm. S you know trust in that stick to yeah. that stay strong with that it's, it's the, the cultural, cultural conditioning, conditioning um, which I call the tree of carnism have you heard of carnism no so carnism is a phrase it's a word coined by Dr. Melanie Joy an American psychologist who says that um, when we choose to eat something that's connected to a belief system because we consciously choose to eat something because we don't 
um, have to eat animal products. We don't have to eat them to survive. We choose to eat them. So it's a belief system. And that's a belief system that we acquire as children. We're given it by our parents. You must eat meat to be healthy, to survive, or otherwise you'll die. We now know that that's not true, right? So veganism is the counterculture to carnism. Mm. Carnism is this ideology, which, well, this belief system, which says we should eat some animals, but not others. Would you eat your dog? You would never eat your dog because you have been conditioned that dogs are friends, yeah. that dogs are family, yeah. cows are, are burgers, cows are, you know, all these, these other these food products. And that's what carnism teaches us, this belief system, right? Because in France, they'll eat horses. In China, they'll eat dogs and cats. You know, and that's the carnistic belief system. Um, but the cultural conditioning of this, you could say this, this um, metaphorical, metaphorical <laughs> tree <laughs> is like entrenched in the soil of our culture. Like it's so deep in there that it's very hard for people to see beyond it because yeah. it's invisible. Yeah. Um, and it's part of who we are. So it's real. It's real. It's it's a real struggle for people to let go of that because they're they're deeply fearful of it yeah that makes sense that makes sense i don't want to stop eating meat because i don't want to miss out on those dinners with mum and dad or grandma or whoever i don't want my family to reject me it's not really about the food really yeah. it's about how we feel about our place within our family within our culture um so it's a real challenge it is i mean i can I can relate. I was the one at the family parties with a plate that was empty and everyone looking at me and wanting to be like, just just eat some meat. And I'm like, yeah. no, <laughs> I do yeah. not want to. And yeah, then, yeah. then I'm the weird one at the family gathering, not eating. And is that stopped now? Because how long have you been vegan now? Four years. Four years. Is that still going on? or do you... No, they let it go because I wasn't, I wasn't going to eat meat. So they, <laughs> they had to give up because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested. Yeah. But then it does make it hard because you, I almost feel like I'm a bit of, not a failed vegan, but I haven't turned, well not turned, but I haven't encouraged enough of my friends and family to go vegan. I've helped strangers, but on that one, I'm still struggling. It took me five years to get my mum and dad to go vegan. Wow. My mum and dad are both 60 and they went vegan in January. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. I was well saying, done. Thank you. <laughs> my dad is. My dad said to me, "I'm so vegan," and I always say this on the podcast. So apologies if you've heard the story already, but my dad is like, "I'm so vegan. I even talk to the ants." Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. And he's um, he started his own vegan yogurt company, and like it's been wow. really great. Like I, I'm wow. still always, you know, I'm still so kind of like blown away by yeah. the fact that he's so passionate about it. So. If you're listening and your parents aren't vegan yet, do not give up hope. Like yeah. anything is possible. You really just have to be patient and understand that it's not going to happen overnight. That cultural conditioning and that, like I was saying, that tree of carnism that exists within people, it's in there. That belief system, that carnistic belief system is there and it's attached to fear and culture and tradition. Yeah. Um, and it will take time to uproot it, but do not give up. Yeah, exactly. It just takes time. And it, it's, it's, it's such, like, being vegan, cutting down on meat, cutting down on fish, it's something that is so amazing. The benefits that you'll have on the environment, on saving animals and looking after your health, they are incredible and they are amazing reasons to stick with and continue to, mm. to do it. Absolutely. Now, um, the kind of world that we live in is always kind of shifting and changing like where do you see kind of the vegan movement going in the next few years do you ever think we'll have a vegan world where 
yeah i'm i i don't someone laughed at me because i was so sure um <laughs> i i'm really looking forward to the day that things instead of labeled vegan they'll be labeled meat because everything we're eating is vegan is plant-based mm. and there will be very few options where there will have meat or fish involved and eventually i think i i really believe in the movement it's what this world needs our planet needs it and i can't imagine it not going that way the only thing i was talking to someone about was the um what you call it the man-made meat oh, in the laboratories meat. yeah uh -huh. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if that takes off or not. Would you eat cultured meat? I think I've gone past that. Uh -huh. I think maybe if I had was in the transition of deciding whether I wanted to be vegan or not, maybe that would play into me going, well, if I can do that. But for me personally, I don't, I can't see that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of vegans say that, like, it's fine for your companion animals like cats or big cats that have to live in sanctuaries but um, you know for us who've thrived and lived ha happy healthy lives without animal products for for years it just doesn't seem necessary it feels no. like a step backwards it does um, but it it you know it will if we can pull it off and we can actually make it vegan because technically currently it's not vegan because you still require some animal products for it to be grown right um, so if anyone is listening cultured meat and clean meat uh, you still need bovine fetal serum, which comes from the pregnant, uh, a pregnant cow. So it means that it's not technically vegan. It's, there's less suffering involved. Obviously there's suffering, but there's less suffering because you're involving, once you've grown the flesh, you can continue to grow it and grow it and grow it and grow it. Um, you know, animal cells, plant cells are very similar in many ways and you can kind of grow anything really. Yeah. Um, someone joked the other day and said, well, why don't we just like take our own cells and grow like our own steaks? <laughs> And you laugh, but you could do that. You could, it sounds disgusting, yeah. but you could take a cell from your own body and grow it into a steak and, and cook it and eat it. Like, wow. but again, it's the thought of eating something that came from you, but a steak from a human and a steak from a cow yeah. is really not that different. Yeah. It's flesh. Yeah. It's animal mammal flesh, yeah. you know, and that's the whole bizarre thing, how the human mind works. Yeah. How you could eat a cow burger and be fine and love it and just, hoover it up not you but like yeah. most people not me but if, but if i put a dog burger in front of you most people in the west would throw up they'd feel yeah. sick by that yeah. but intrinsically chemically on a cellular level they're pretty much the same thing yeah. you know so it's all about how we see it and cultured meat does not will eventually not involve animals at all eventually and you should be able to grow anything you want and it will use uh, you know a tenth of the environmental yeah. um, resources and so it should hopefully signal the end of animal agriculture there should be no more factory farms of any sort so milk and cheese and eggs and meat of any sort should be able to be grown by humans in a lab clean no antibiotics no dioxins you know what excites me the idea that factory farming will not exist mm. and that is through the power of us not by the power of corporations trying to get money out of us mm. that is individual people seeing something not agreeing with it and mm -hmm. making change yeah. and us all doing it together and completely eradicating the fact that is exciting like it is and that's what we have to do because it's as we all know, it's the leading cause of climate change, ocean dead zones, deforestation, yeah. acid, uh, river acidification. We have to end it. So, so coming to the end now, like 
um, have you heard of that vegan desert island? You know, the one with the pig. People are like, what if you were on that desert island and there was a pig, what would you eat? You heard that joke? No. People always say there's a desert island and there's you and a pig. Like if you had to survive, would you eat the pig? <sighs> so, <laughs> so, so, so that's not what I'm going to ask you though. But you're on this desert island. You're a vegan. You've got your pig friend. If I could give you one music album, one book and one vegan dish, what would they be? Uh, the music album is Jill Scott, The Experience Live, because <laughs> I could listen to that. I've been listening to it my whole life. Uh, my book would probably be a Malcolm X biography and my meal, oh mate, it would be a Caribbean feast, like I did on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and it, which is a combination of this incredible Caribbean chana curry, some roti, some coleslaw, some plantain, some ackee and saltfish, no saltfish. Yeah, that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Ms. Rachel Ammer, thank you so much for joining us on the PBM podcast. Thank it's you for having been me. An absolute pleasure. Um, what, where can people find you and tell us about all your social media? links find me if you put me into youtube as rachel amma r-a-c-h-e-l then amma is just a-m-a -A. you can find me on instagram too where you'll find lots of my recipes and hopefully some really cool bigger projects to come any books coming out soon <laughs> my lips are sealed <laughs> thanks for joining us everyone i've been your host robbie Lockie, and this is the pbn podcast we'll be back next week with more veganism health nutrition fashion tech and everything in between <laughs>